Good morning. It's good to see you. Um, hasn't it been a good week? I hope um, lots of you have had the opportunity to come and pray at different points, to be involved in the week of prayer that we've had. Um, I just feel like what God's doing this morning is off the back of that. I feel like he's doing, he is again doing something new with us at the beginning of this new year, um, which is exciting. And at one level, of course, God's always doing something new if we're open uh, to, to what he wants to do by his spirit. Um, but there's, I believe there's moments where there's just an opportunity to respond to God in a new way. And um, it ha- I really believe, I hope you agree with me if you've been around, that this week has been significant as we've sought God. Um, as we started out at the beginning of the week, I don't know if you've got the picture there for us. Um, if you were here on Sunday evening when we launched the week of prayer, we had a big map. If you haven't seen it, that there. Um, there is a map of Swindon. You might not quite recognize it um, from that, but we, uh, we prayed over Swindon as it was represented in the middle of the floor with a map, and we placed candles where we live, where we work, our places of influence across this town, and we called out to God, really, for this town. And I just believe that that kind of set the tone and the course for this week, which has uh, just been a great time uh, it's been good to join with other churches. It's been great to get the youth together, to get the kids together. Yesterday afternoon, they were all praying through different activities um, just to seek God and say, God, we're here for you this year. Won't you set, reset the attitudes of our hearts? And I believe that that's what he's been doing. Um, so really, I think God is with us this morning even as we're praying about freedom and understanding our identity before him That is kind of part one, if you like, of what he's doing right now. And what I want to try and do is give you part two of that right now, which is why why is he doing this? Why is he doing this with us? Why would he bother to come and stir us, to set us free, to fill us with his spirit? Why? That's the question. Can we pray as we start? Father, I just want to thank you for your presence with us. Lord, I thank you for this week. I thank you that you've been with us by your spirit as we've sought you, as we've cried out to you for Swindon, as we've joined hearts and hands with others across this town and said, God, won't you break in in our day? Lord, as we've uh, been creative with kids and uh, those of all ages, Lord, we've come to you and we're saying, Lord, at the start of this year, won't you do something new with us again? Lord, won't you stir our hearts, Father? Lord, won't you give us a passion for the place where you've uh, put us to live and to work and to uh, have our relationships, Father? We say, won't you break in amongst us? That's been our cry this week, and we want to continue in that, Father. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help me right now. I pray that you would touch our hearts. I pray that you'd open us to your spirit. I pray that you just continue to stir us by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're so welcome amongst us. And Lord, we just want to be the people that you intended us to be in this place, in our day, Father. We don't want to miss what you want to do with us on on our watch. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just read Matthew 6, which is where we are at the moment. We've gone back. We're in a series, a bigger series on the Sermon on the Mount, but we've just been uh, taking a few Sundays at the beginning of this year to go back to the Lord's Prayer as we're setting our course for the year and as we've been doing this week of prayer this week, uh, just to kind of dig into the Lord's Prayer a little bit more. So we're going to do that uh, again today and just draw out in particular a couple of verses. So this is Matthew 6, 
Uh, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And we'll stop there today. We'll continue with that uh, next week. But uh, I believe that a lot of what God has been doing towards the end of last year and amongst us now, even as we're worshipping together right now, is, is sealing in us that first line of the, of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven. Amen. And we've, we heard that through Al a couple of weeks ago, but I believe it's been coming a number of times over recent weeks that God wants to imp- impress upon us that he's a good father and that we're his children, that we're adopted into his family. His, he's done that because of his love and his mercy, not because we deserved anything, but we're now his adopted children, loved, provided for, cared for by him. And he wants us to be free in that, to trust him, To put our lives in his hands because we're his kids. To be dependent on him. Success in the kingdom of God is dependence on a good father who has everything covered. And he wants to say that at the beginning, I believe. And I think maybe we're starting to get the hang of that. It's important that we grasp that. That we're the beloved, incredibly loved, blessed, provided for children of God. Amen? But why is it so important that we do that? That is not where the, that's not where the, the thing stops. And I think often in our lives, if not in our prayers, then we jump straight to give us today our daily bread. This is a model prayer. And often we think praying is just about asking God for things, isn't it? Often that's where we jump to. Yes, we know that we need to worship Maybe we know that we've been forgiven and that we're children of God and that he wants that relationship with us. But the key thing we want to do is we want to ask for stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. God says ask. You don't have because you don't ask. But there's a section right in between there which is about the whole context in which we live and the reason why he wants to get a grip of us and why he wants to set us free, I believe, this morning. And that is that his kingdom is coming. Your kingdom come, Jesus says, I want you to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is God's overarching plan. He wants a people who are going to bring in the kingdom of God. That is uh, our mandate, no less. I don't know if you believe that. Does that sound too big? But that is the mandate of the people of God. We're not here just to be loved and to have a nice time in a corner singing our worship songs. I don't know if you thought that the freedom that we've been praying about this morning is just so that we can have a good time as the people of God. So that we can have fun in our worship. So that we can uh, be released and be who we're meant to be as we gather together and we can have a great time on a Sunday morning. Do you think it ends there? I think sometimes we... We probably know that the answer is no, but I think in the way that we act, sometimes it feels like that we think that's what it's for. Actually, it's not for that. It's for this big, big plan that God has, which is to bring transformation to the earth, I believe. Nothing less than that. 
And I believe it's, uh, it's time for us to grab hold of that in our hearts and to be gripped by the purposes of God uh, that he has for us as his children. Amen? It's important that we understand our identity. It's absolutely crucial that we get who we are before God. That is the foundation of everything that we do. We've got to start there that we have a good father. Absolutely. We've got to seal that. We've got to nail that. But then God says... But I want you to see the bigger picture. I want you to see the context in which I've put you. I want to see the place where I've put you amongst neighbors and colleagues and friends and school, uh, people at school. I want you to see that my kingdom is coming. So when Jesus was on the earth, he initiated a new kingdom. And the prayer that we're told to pray is, God, your kingdom come in. So that the world around us, so that the earth... It's very practical. It's right down to earth so that the place where you've put us begins to change and become like heaven. Amen? It's nothing less than that. It might sound a bit outrageous, but that is what the Bible is talking about. That the place where God has put us, the place of our influence, the relationships, the place where we work, the school that we go to, the neighbors that God has put us amongst, that there his kingdom might come. On on earth... As it is in heaven. What's it like in heaven? It's pretty amazing. God's in charge. There's no pain. There's no crying. There's no suffering. There's joy and peace and laughter and relationship with God and hope and purpose. God wants to bring those things on earth. To ground. Isn't that exciting? On earth as it is in heaven. And do you know how how he wants to do it? This This is the ridiculous bit. He wants to do it through you and me. There's no other vehicle. There's no other plan. That is the plan. That's plan A and every other plan. There isn't an alternative. That God's kingdom is coming. And not only that, God's kingdom is coming, by the way. There's no doubt about it. And I think often when we look out into the world and we, uh, the way that we view the world around us is that we, we don't actually believe what the Bible says, that God's kingdom is coming. That there is a hope for the earth around us in that sense, for the community in which we live. We're called to hope. We're called to excitement because God's kingdom is coming. I think often we look around us and we, uh, we would believe the worldview that we see on the news. We think that it's all kind of downhill from here. It's all Brexit and Trump and let's all be depressed about the future. Uh, if you read the Bible, that's not to be your worldview. Your worldview is to be shaped by the God who says, my kingdom is forcefully advancing. And by the way, you're the ones through whom I want to bring it into being. It's outrageous because it's just you and me and we know what we're like. And you know what? It's not leaders. It's not people with gifts. It's every single one of us. That as God grabs hold of us, as he grips us with the fact that we're his children, that we're loved by him, as he starts to bring transformation in us and freedom And release to be the people that he's made us to be, to use the gifts that he's given to each one of us. So, he says, and then I will bring transformation to the places where I've put you. I will bring transformation to the relationships that I've put you in. To the workplaces, to the neighbors, to the colleagues, to the friends, in the schools, in the colleges. As I change you, as you understand who you are, 
As you just do the things that I've put you to do in ordinary everyday life, so I will begin to bring my kingdom through you and it will affect other people. And that as it is in heaven will start to be made a reality on earth. That's the plan. I don't know if you understand that. I think often we understand that in our heads, but we need to grab hold of it in our hearts, that that's what God is about. And I believe as we've prayed this week, and as God's stirring people across Swindon, and it's absolutely not just about Gateway, of course, I hope I don't even have to say that, but I believe that God is stirring people for such a time as this, that we might be gripped with a passion for the place where God has put us, so that we might begin to see his kingdom come in greater measure. The Bible says the kingdom is forcefully advancing and forceful men and women lay hold of it. So it is for all of us, but we have to lay hold of it. We have to believe that that's the case. And then we have to just begin to live it out confidently and be led by the Holy Spirit. You see, the thing about the Holy Spirit is we've got this confusion that we think it stops. Often, I think, again, we might not say this, but in reality, the the sense is that the Holy Spirit is for worship times and for being released in gifts as we're gathered together. No, the, the main purpose of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is so that we might bring in this kingdom that I'm talking about. The purpose of being filled with the Spirit is not to have a nice time amongst us and be free and wacky in worship, although I'm sure all of that will happen, and it will be fantastic, by the way, when we gather as God's people. Absolutely it will be. But the purpose of the Holy Spirit ultimately is that we might bring transformation in the places where God has put us, as we are the people that he's called us to be. Amen? That's why he wants us freed. That's why he wants us filled with the Spirit. And I believe we're in a day... Uh, right now as we begin to look out over this town where God is stirring people's hearts. And as I say, it's not just about us, absolutely. Um, You know Jesus' prayer in John 17, uh, where Jesus prays for us, in fact, doesn't he? His future followers, the ones that will come to Christ through the disciples. John 17, um, have you got that slide at the back? I know I'm, I'm jumping around in the order. But this is Jesus' prayer, isn't it? I pray also for those who will believe in me through the disciples' message, that all of them may be one. So this is us. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And uh, one of the highlights of this week for me praying uh, has been praying together with other churches. So on Tuesday, we were gathered at Lydiard Millicent um, uh, with churches from across town uh, to seek God for our town. Because there's no way that this is just about us. Because it's about, ev- because the thing about bringing in the kingdom of God is that it's for every single one who's a child of God. That's our purpose. And so that means every single one, whatever church they go to, whatever denomination they go to, each one of us is to be, bring, uh, to be bringers in of the kingdom of God. Each one of us are to be town changers, city changers, as we become the people that God wants us to be. And so there's incredible 
purpose and excitement, I believe, in joining with other people across the place where God has put us and saying, God, won't you break into this place? Because it's about all of us. It's not about one church or another church. And so I, and I believe that God is doing something uh, new and exciting in Swindon. We've been saying that for a, few, a couple of years now as God's gathered churches in a new way. And absolutely that continues. And I believe it's, uh, that God is doing it because he wants to see the kingdom come in in Swindon. Because as you see in the, in the prayer of Jesus, fundamental to his kingdom coming in and to people seeing who he is, is that his people are united. Amen? And God's doing this amongst us. He's doing it in this town. And he's doing it in this town, I believe, because he wants to break in in a new way. Because he wants to bring transformation to this place. And by the way, this is not a new... Please don't think that this is some new plan of God's. This, this goes back right back to God's original plan at the beginning of the Bible. I don't know if you realize that. But what was the instruction that was given to Adam and Eve? It was to go and fill the earth and subdue it, wasn't it? it was about, again, it was about the earth. It's very practical. It's about the place where they lived. They were to take ownership of the place where God had put them and bring in his rule and reign. So literally subdue around, bring in his order, bring in his, uh, as in, on earth as in heaven, bring in the order of God and the kingdom of God, if you like, where they were. And that hasn't changed. What's happened with the gospel as we're restored to God and our relationship is put right to God, so we get restored to that original purpose, which is to see God's kingdom in, in the places where we are. Amen? It's incredibly exciting, isn't it? And I tell you, it's particularly exciting because I believe we're at a key moment because of what God is doing in this town. It will happen in all sorts of ways through different ones of us because it's about each one of us and we're all different. I don't know if you've noticed that, but that means that the way that the kingdom breaks out through us is going to be different for each of us. So don't try and do the thing that somebody else is doing because it won't work for you. It's about being filled with the Spirit and saying, God, what would you do with me? Who would you have me talk to? Where would you have me be? Where do you want me to use my influence? Where do you want me to show the love of God and uh, serve others and etc., etc.? It will look different for each one of us. But it's about us and God being the people we're meant to be in the places where God has put us. It's not rocket science, is it, at one level? And yet we've got to believe it and say, Holy Spirit, lead us in this. So it will look, I've been really excited. I hope you have over the last few weeks. I believe the stories are increasing of what God's doing. And they're all sorts of different things. So, oh, let's just keep going and be a little bit late in the East. Um, so have we, got those, have we got those photos? So there's also, did you see this story before Christmas with the toy appeal and the boy who got given a bike? God's kingdom coming. Next. Have you heard the story about the multi-headed corn, the miraculous corn? If you don't know about this, in Burundi this is, where we're doing um, farming God's way, foundations for farming, what do we call it? Miraculous crop of, uh, of maize with multiple heads that just doesn't happen as, as people are just doing what God's told them to do. Go and ask Donna if you haven't heard the story, but God's kingdom coming in through ordinary people doing ordinary things. Next, is there any others? No, maybe there isn't. Oh, I know what I want to show you. I want to show you the picture from Tuesday night when we were gathered as churches praying together for this town. Can you do me that picture with all the flowers and the dandelion? So this is on the wall, okay, at Lydiard Millicent School where we were praying as churches all together for the town. 
Um, and Colin brought a prophetic thing as he was leading the meeting, just about Swindon, really. And it, in, this really represents what I've just been trying to describe, which is the flowers, if you like, which is the multifaceted people of God, bearing God's image in all sorts of different ways. Look at them. Aren't they amazing? That's the people of God. No, no, that's not right, is it? I've got the picture upside down, haven't I? The people of God is the dandelion, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so the, peop- the flowers is God's people in Swindon. Okay, let's correct this. But in the image of God, waiting for the kingdom to break in. And there's the dandelion, which is the seeds that God scatters all over the town. The people of God placed all over the place, in different streets, in different schools, in different workplaces, scattered Nothing extraordinary about them, but actually as they go, bringing in the kingdom of God. Sorry about that. I hope you see the picture. But I just believe it's exciting what God is doing right now. And I want us to be gripped with, this, with the prayer. I don't want us to jump from our Father, from worship, to give us your daily bread. Absolutely, God wants us to ask for all sorts of things. But as we've been gripped by what is his agenda, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come through me, little old me, where you've put me, as it is in heaven, Lord, just as I serve. I loved the stories last week from, uh, from Sharon and from Deb. They were talking about their places of work, just as they're at work in ordinary, everyday life saying, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying about this person? What are you saying about the place where I am? How do you want me to be? How do you want me to serve? And God begins to break in through the ordinary, through the everyday. Let your kingdom come. Right, I am going to go to the east now, but what I want to do is I want to leave you with um, a video I'd love you to see. So one of the highlights of my sabbatical last year when I had um, three months not here, um, one of the highlights was a thing called Movement Day, which I went to uh, a kind of a conference, I guess, a gathering of Christians from all sorts of denominations, from all sorts of places, mainly across this nation, but from other nations as well, really getting together with the agenda of we are, we are Christians for foremost, never mind what church we come to, uh, but we want to bring transformation to the places where God has put us. In all sorts of spheres of life, so the arts, business, media, um, education, social action, all those, uh, everything. Because God's into, there's not a patch of Swindon that God's not interested in. Do you believe that? Swindon is his. It's about us taking responsibility as a people of God for this place where he's put us. There isn't any others. He's put us in Swindon. We need to start to take ownership of bringing his kingdom in in this place and believing God for it. Sorry, I'm going off on the preach again. Um, Anyway, there was a guy at Movement Day, this conference that I went to um, from uh, Portland in Oregon. So this happens to be the son, actually, of... Have you heard of Louis Palau, the evangelist? Um, many of you will have done. So this guy, Kevin Palau, uh, happens to be his son. He's based in Portland, in Oregon, um, which uh, uh, I think is probably described as a fairly unchurched, liberal kind of city in, in America, t- even in American terms. So uh, pro- progress. What do they call it in the official blurb? Um, proudly progressive. One of the pr- 
uh, most proudly progressive cities in the U.S. So it's quite a quirky place, as I understand it. The, uh, the story that they tell you about Portland in Oregon is that it's famous for a naked bike ride that they do every year. Something to do. I don't, I'm not quite even sure what it's for, actually. I think it's something to do with environmental campaigns or something. But um, this gives you a flavor of Portland. Uh, so this last year, 15,000 people naked riding bikes through the city. That's, that's to give you a little flavor when you, we talk about Portland. Okay. So this guy is from Portland, and... As is happening in, un- don't, don't, think, don't put that image in your mind too much. Um, all they say is wear a helmet and strong shoes and you'll be fine. Um, anyway, that's Portland. That's to, that's to give you context, okay? But this is happening all over the world, folks. We're a bit behind the curve, I reckon, in Swindon, but I got, God wants to speed us up. And I, what I want you to hear from this video is the story of what God did as churches and church leaders gathered together Um, in the city of Portland, and I want it to inspire you. Um, And then I'm going to go, so Colin or somebody else is going to have to wrap up, and then we'll pray and worship um, for Swindon, and we'll cry out, God, let your kingdom come. But Portland are a long way down the road, but I want us to believe God for transformation in the kind of things that uh, hopefully you'll be inspired about as you hear Kevin Palau. Okay. We did something very simple and obvious that many of you have already talked about, you've already done in your cities, but we had never done. And that is out of a time of prayer with about 100 pastors from different denominations, knowing that we needed to do something more to both demonstrate as well as proclaim the good news. In preparation for a festival, we said, what would it look like for us to come together and love and serve? And so we went to our mayor. And at the time, uh, our mayor, a gentleman named Sam Adams, who actually wrote the foreword to this book, you can get a copy of, was the first openly gay mayor of a top 25 city in the U.S. So he had the natural misgivings and the history in his life that made him view our community, wonderful as we know that it is, as imperfect as it is, viewed it with a lot of, 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 of mistrust. But still, we, we felt the, uh, a calling to say, let's go and meet the mayor. And we came up with a random number. I'm not sure why we did this, but we said if we thought we could mobilize 15,000 Jesus followers, not for one day, but over a period of about six months, because our idea was what if we celebrated the many good things that the church was already doing that the city wouldn't have been aware of, but then also tried to accelerate as we found out what the needs were from our cities. And so we sat with Sam Adams, and he identified some very obvious things uh, of need, partnering with our public schools, working with kids in foster care, etc. And that began what's now a 10-year journey of the church working together. One of the areas that he first identified uh, were, were our public schools. And even though Portland's a beautiful place, in our public schools, uh, only about... Uh, uh, only 55% or so of the students were graduating high school on time. And that was an embarrassment for him as he came in as a mayor. And so he, he said, if you can do anything for the schools, please do it. And in particularly identified Roosevelt High School as a school of tremendous need. It had been built in 1922 for 2,000 students. And by the time this conversation was taking place, the numbers had dwindled over time as the neighborhood had changed to 450 students. Because if you could have gotten your child out of Roosevelt, you'd done it. And so you can imagine the, the, the challenging situation for the principal, for the teachers, for the families that were left. And frankly, Sam uh, said that he had very little expectation for what the churches could do, so he figured this would be a safe place to try because they were, frankly, it was on a short list of schools to be closed. So we thought they can't do much damage. Let's see what they can do. And this is, he, he told me all this, of course, after the fact, 
once we became friends and he said, now I can be honest with what was really going on in my mind. And so um, uh, one church in particular, a large church by Portland standards, uh, in the suburbs, not in the actual neighborhood. There were a lot of things that we learned over time about real community development work. We were naive evangelists stumbling our way into this sort of effort, but instinctively knew, led by the Spirit, that in Portland we had to live out and demonstrate the good news as we proclaimed it as well. And so in, uh, at Roosevelt High School, a church called South Lake with a little bit of that suburban swagger, to be honest, they would say later, kind of a sense of give us a big project and watch what we can do. We have corporate executives. We have top Nike executives. Nike's headquartered in our Portland area. And they kind of came in with that, with that uh, uh, expectation that they could make a difference. And they did in one massive uh, makeover. They did a tremendous job with about a 1,000 of their people our mayor, all our city commissioners came. The media made a big deal of, of it. And if that's all that would have happened, it would have been a good thing. But in a way that we weren't anticipating, the folks at South Lake, uh, kind of in a shocking way, fell in love with Roosevelt, though it's not their neighborhood. And without any planning, began showing up day after day, week after week, uh, to volunteer in a variety of ways as they'd seen the needs in the school. And about six months into this process, Charlene, who is the principal of the school, uh, went to Christine, who is the outreach pastor of the church, and said, you're here virtually every day with volunteers. Why don't you just office here? And so now for the last five years, the, this staff person from Roosevelt High School, from Southlake, has officed at Roosevelt High School. They now run the clothing closet, a food pantry. Uh, they got Nike involved. They had no football team um, at this school because the grandstands had been condemned. They got Nike involved because of the execs that were part of the church. They rebuilt the uh, track and the grandstands. It's the envy of Portland Public Schools. They mentored every kid, every child in the freshman class. They've been mentoring every year. Uh, they have seen a 15 percentage point rise in the graduation rate at Roosevelt, which was number one in our state of Oregon. And all these things happened, of course, over a period of years, not in five minutes. Um, but to, to cut a long story short, all of these things were observed by our also openly gay school superintendent, Carol Smith, who had the same kind of misgivings about not being able to trust these Christians to behave themselves and not preach everywhere they went. And I joked with her one time and said, if that's your concern, you don't know our people very well at all.